0: Thank you. My name is Michael Brady, and I am part of the partnership called Partners for Karmic Freedom with Linda Brady, the internationally known and recognized karmic astrologer. I'm known as a past-life therapist, past-life progressionist, and a karmic astrologer as well. This is um, Happy New Year, not Cancer Project, but Happy New Year Part 2. Uh, This is a podcast that's not about Linda's cancer treatment, but about something else, about the new year. And as we start the new year in 2026, I'm 71. Linda's 80 years old. And we're not done yet. We still want to get a lot of life in before we leave. Uh, And this year in particular, uh, this is true for everyone. It's true for us. When you have something... um, trying, horrendous happen in your life, Um, it makes you pay attention more than you normally do. It makes you think about things. It certainly makes me think about things. Uh, I think about things a lot anyway. (laughs) It's part of my life path, I think. And this year in particular, um, I'm finding it difficult on January the 2nd. To be positive, to be uplifted inside, I feel scared, I feel sad a lot uh, i feel I can feel angry to drop of a hat about any number of things that occur in the course of my day in my face, not old stuff, not stuff in the future i 'm speculating about, but just here and now stuff that that it, that that is irritating because there 's a fair amount of stuff in life that 's pretty irritating these days, I think for most of us. Anyway, I was um, yesterday um, over New Year's. Um, you know, trying to get my head wrapped around the next year, like we're supposed to do every year for New Year's. Um, and normally, I'm a I'm I'm an optimistic person uh, in this life, um, and I was struggling with that yesterday. I wasn't feeling optimistic. I was feeling. Uh, emotionally, uh, very sad, uh, at times. And I was feeling, um, angry at times when I thought about the struggles that we're going through with, uh, health insurance and the healthcare system and the breakdowns of all that. Um, and just generally how hard, uh, human beings make life for each other, I guess, on a, on a larger scale, um. And I thought, man, I got to make a, a podcast, you know, like, how are you going to, you're supposed to be upbeat and uh, inspire people and <laughs> that's your job uh, and stuff like that. And I'm thinking, I don't, I don't feel that. I can't do that. I don't, I, I, I can't be a hypocrite. Um, so I was really stewing yesterday. And last night in in bed, uh, going to sleep, sliding asleep into my dream state's. I went back and remembered something from my childhood, and I wanted to share that. In my sleep, uh, it might have been this morning or when I woke up. I can't remember now. <laughs> One of those dream states that you you're coming or going. Um, when, I was, uh, when I was seven to eight years old, this is a year after my mom died. My mom died when I was six, and that was a major – Trauma in my life in childhood uh, that set most of my life up. Actually, um, I lived uh, in Baltimore uh, with my aunt that year of my life. Not not with my father. I, I I lived in my aunt's house, not my father's house, most of the time, if not all the time. Can't remember exactly. Um, I and my brother, because my my father was uh, unmarried at that point and in debt and had two boys and had to work his butt off and all that good stuff. And he wasn't around a lot uh, for a year or two after my mom died until he remarried. Uh, and he had to go find somebody and fall in love and all that stuff again. So he was busy. And my Aunt Mary um, uh, took care of I and my brother. Um, and I can remember um, I, I, I I lived in my grandparents' house, which was a row home in in uh, Patterson Park, Baltimore. Uh, Patterson Park is a park in Baltimore in, in the city, and there's an area called the Patterson Park area or, uh, around the park. Um, and my grandparents, my dad's parents, uh, he grew up in that area, was inherited by the family and my Aunt Mary and her husband, my Uncle Cal and my Aunt Helen, uh, held onto the house and lived in the house for years until it was sold and it was split up amongst the rest of the family, the uh, the assets of it. And it was one of those brownstones that are still there, uh, very narrow houses deep, uh, four stories, a, a, dirt, a dirt basement or a half-dirt basement uh, and three stories above and I think even an attic above that, but I can't remember. But there were three floors to it. I remember that. Um, and it was a magical house for me as a kid uh, because it had very high ceilings, and it had bay windows in the front on the street, and you could climb up on a sill and, like, sit in the window and look out at the world, things like that. It had a back porch uh upstairs that was like uh, being in a treehouse or um, uh, being up in a tree sometimes when I got on the back porch because it was an old porch and it was creaky. And I'm not even sure I trusted the porch. I thought it would fall down sometimes. Anyway, as as a little kid, the house had that magical, uh, wondrous, scary aura to it. Uh, It was a mysterious place. And one night when I lived there at seven years old, I think it was, I had a dream. I dreamed that I woke up uh, from upstairs in the second room, and I came down in the middle of the night to the front room, and of course, the house was dark and empty, and everybody was asleep, and I I looked out the bay window at the street, and I was being drawn somewhere. I don't know where uh, at the time in the dream. But eventually I turned around and I looked at the door that was on the side of the stairway that went upstairs, right in off the front door. You come in the front door and could go straight up the steps, kind of thing. Well, on the side of that was the door with the stairwell underneath of that stair that went down to the basement. And the only time I ever went down the basement was when my aunt Mary or my uncle Cal went down there for some reason, and I either tagged along or I don't know why, um, because it was a a dungeony, dark, musty, uh, dirt floor, uh, bare light bulb, string pull place, <laughs> um, and. It was monster scary as as a little kid in that sense. Uh, and the back of the basement, uh, after you went to the bottom steps and turned, the back half of the basement was always very dark because they really turned on all the lights back there. And you had to walk around to each one and pull a string in order to light the light bulb. It must have been, I don't know, six or eight light, lights down there you know, to light the whole place up. And it was built in the 1800s. So it started out with coal, and then it went to oil uh, and then it and it had hot water heaters in the house all that good stuff, so, so it had all this old big machinery, and it had a, a coal chute coming in off the street kind of it was it, it was it was foreboding, <laughs> as a little kid, and dark back there, and it had these big, dark forms back there, like I was trying to describe. And in this dream, I went down the stairs, and halfway down, I pulled the cord and lit the light bulb on the stairwell, which would be to light your way down. And at the bottom, there was a pool of light, and then I didn't get to any other light strings along the way. When I got to the bottom, I was was compelled to turn and walk toward the back of the basement uh, that I just described. In the dark. And of course, the further I went, the darker it got. But something happened in this dream when I was seven years old, halfway through the basement toward the back wall. It became an open sky. The house went away. And I was still in the basement if I looked down on the floor. But if I looked up, what I saw was the night sky and a night sky like you'd see outside of the city lights where all the stars are out and it's just it's it's just amazing to look up kind of thing that kind of a starry starry night as van gogh would say and in the back of the of the basement anchored on the floor was a big round spiral staircase it must have been i don't know um well let me see must have been like um seven or eight feet across the width of the steps, a spiral staircase. It was wrought iron. It was black, flat black, of course. Of course, it was in the dark, so who knows? Um, and I was compelled to step on the first step of this spiral staircase uh, and hold the railings, both sides of the railings. I had to put my arms all the way out to hold the railings as I as I walked up the stairs. And and. It was like I was walking, I was climbing to the stars, and I was looking up at this magnificent night sky that was just calling to me, very compelling, and climbing the stairs in a spiral way. And the higher I went in this dream up the stairs, the wobblier the uh, spiral staircase became. It was, and I felt like I had to keep. It balanced, like as I walked up, as I stepped, I had to use my body weight and the holding of the railings on both sides to make sure that it didn't tip too far one way or the other. So it became more precarious the higher I went. And at the same time, I couldn't look down and I couldn't stop because the the sky was so gorgeous, beautiful, magnificent with the stars. Uh, that I just wanted to get higher and see more and see clearer into the sky. So uh, I I had this experience in this dream as a child uh, of seven years old of climbing toward the stars from the basement up a spiral staircase in the middle of the night, and I was in wonder of the sky and scared at the same time because I was trying to balance as I went and keep the thing upright, and got a little more scared the higher one because it was less and less stable and and required more and more balance as I kept trying to go higher. And then, of course, I woke up as a child. I mean, I didn't get to the top, and there was no resolution to it. It it just stayed there. But you know what? That dream has stuck with me my whole life since I was seven years old, and I've remembered that dream either consciously in my waking life at – from various experiences or at night in my sleep i have redreamed it dreamed back to it many times probably 15 or 20 times at this point in my life it has been a recurrent permanent dream in this lifetime and i have always been fascinated and compelled by it and i really didn't understand what it meant i didn't have any idea what it meant until I was probably in my 40s. Uh, uh, I only became karmic, uh, 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 interested in karmic astrology in my 30s, in my early 30s, uh, and was really uh, versed or learned something about the philosophy of karma uh, and was practicing in that field uh, in my mid to late 30s. Uh, so in my 40s... Um, I started to understand that that dream was symbolic of my life path in this life. Um, uh, My north node, if you're not astrological, this may be a stretch for you, but um, I'll try to do the best I can. Um, Pisces uh, is the spiritual sign of the 12 signs, uh, Aries through Pisces in a chart. Uh, And it rules the 12th house. It means it goes with the 12th house. It's a companion to or the same energy as the 12th house. And the issue of the 12th house in the chart is the unconscious, period. Everything that's unconscious falls in the 12th house. So anything in the deep past falls in the 12th house. Anything you're unaware of, uh, anything that's behind you and buried, all that stuff is in your 12th house. And Pisces is a part of that um, That. Uh, rules that house energy. It's called uh, is the theme of that house, and it is the it's the sign of spirit uh, out of you know, Aries, Taurus, Gemini, Cancer, Leo, Virgo, Libra, Scorpio, Sagittarius, Capricorn, Aquarius, Pisces, and that's all twelve around the wheel. All the rest of those signs have to do with the Earth somehow, and us on the earth. Pisces is the only astrological sign that is completely about heaven, about the other side, about spirituality, spirit. So it's the container for spirituality, the sign of Pisces. And of course, it is also the sign of the last 2,000 years, which was encapsulated by Christ and Christianity over the last last 2,000 years. So on that level, it's spiritual as well. And my north node is in Pisces in this house, and in this life, and it's in the fourth house. And the fourth house is uh, early childhood, emotional, spiritual foundations in life, um, relationship with mother energy or mom, uh, and early childhood um, so you could take or you can find a book that says astrologically, karmically, that, that my North node in the fourth house is that I came here to develop my own spiritual foundations. That's a phraseology that smacked me in the face <laughs> in my 30s and my early 40s, somewhere in there as I became more um, spiritual and esoteric than I'd been. Uh, and I didn't really relate immediately to that when I was that young. And, um, I really didn't, I didn't get a connection between that and this dream right away. But the older I've become, the longer I've lived, the more I've learned, the more I've experienced in this life, the more profoundly I've gotten in touch with how, um, prophetic that dream was for me at seven years old, uh, because it is true. I feel like I am very high on a spiral staircase now. Uh, I feel very connected to the heavens. I feel very connected to a understanding of reality as karmic and multi-incarnational um, and um a spiritual reason for existence. Uh, I I, I believe very strongly in that on on a personal level. Uh, And I have developed those foundations in this lifetime through my journeys and my education and my experiences. So that dream came to me over the weekend uh, around this first of the year um, while I was lying in bed. And At the same time that I'm feeling as I approach New Year's this year, uh, 2023, not very optimistic about the upcoming year, not very positive for myself in this year. Uh, I'm worried, I'm stressed, (laughs) a little anxious underneath about stuff, about life staying stable or continuing to work well enough, things like that. Uh, or even having my partner around as long as I want her to be, um, and as I experienced that this 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 new year's um, I really had to remind myself, I am reminding myself, even today, even while I'm saying this to you, uh, that what we choose to think, what we choose to feel, choose to believe, choose, what we choose. Uh, has a lot to do with how reality manifests in front of us, in our face. Uh, I absolutely have come to believe in this lifetime, through my understanding of quantum mechanics, not the mathematics, but the philosophy and the structural understanding of what it, it means in terms of reality and how it works here, that matter does emerge from energy. And anybody who wants to check that out will find that I'm not making that up. (laughs) Uh, Physicists believe this. Scientists believe this. Um, And that energy is another word for consciousness, isn't it? Uh, Or spirit. Uh, they correlate with each other. They're the same. They're expressions of the same thing. Something that's not material, something that is permanent and spread out across all space. Eh, that describes waves, alt- also, which goes with energy in quantum mechanics. Um, so, if consciousness is associated with matter, if matter emerges out of consciousness, if matter emerges out of energy the only argument is is, is their awareness in the universe and scientists don't want to go there and most of them refuse to even think or talk about it that way, but a handful of them do I mean, I'm one of the people who have read the books by those physicists uh, who are willing to uh, get into philosophy out of, out of the mathematics of quantum mechanics and cosmology um, and I know that one, a couple of things have been important for me in this life in regards to that, and that is it's been really important to me in this lifetime to have a purpose. And as I look back on my life, particularly this year of my life, back and then forward for the ensuing years to come, what I see is that I've always had a purpose. The purpose when I was a child started with my mom dying my purpose was is that I felt abandoned and alone and scared to death when my mom died. And I had people around me, I had family that took care of me, but my mom was the only safe one in my family. I mean, I felt emotionally safe with her all the time, no matter what happened. That was not true with my father. That was not true with my stepmother. That was not true with my aunts. It was not true with my brother, my older brother. Uh, yeah, they loved me, but they could also bite me in the ass. They could also turn on me one way or another. Um, I couldn't rely on them all the time. My mom was the only one that I could. And so when she was left, I really felt uh, stuck out there with my butt hanging out, so to speak, as a kid. And I was scared a lot after my mom died. I mean, I lived with a foundation of that inside me for years. Uh, and it turned into when I was in the eighth grade to becoming a stutterer. I stuttered when I was a kid and I stuttered through high school and I stuttered into college and I took speech therapy in college for four years to master my speech difficulties. Um, and I did to a fair enough degree. I, I I got a degree. I got through college. I, Learned how to talk to people enough to get by um, that they didn't uh, notice that I uh, had a major issue with talking sometimes, um, mostly. And it took me half my life to really get completely free of that. I'm, I'm not afraid to talk now. I'm 71. I finally got there. Um, that was always there. Um, my purpose – out of that fear, starting in early childhood, was around wanting somebody to love me, wanting to feel safe with somebody, to be loved by somebody and feel safe. And that really drove me through my grade school, through my high school, through childhood, through my adolescence, through college. Even after I married, it drove me. Um, And it drove me in a way that it led me to uh, also questioned myself a lot when I was uh, growing up. I was always afraid something was wrong with me or I wasn't okay enough or I wasn't good enough, those kinds of things. Um, and that led me ultimately to going into psychology when I started of college because I didn't go to college to learn how to help other people. I went to college to learn how to help me. <laughs> that's what That's what drove me there. And it actually got me a master's. I, I got a master's degree in clinical and developmental psychology saying to myself, don't worry about it, Michael, you, you're never going to have to practice because you'll flunk out before you get done or they won't let you do it for some reason or the other. And I was like a year after my master's doing psychotherapy with someone when I realized that nobody had shown up and I was done training and duh, I was a psychotherapist now <laughs> Uh, and I wasn't practicing anymore. Um, And that's how I got into my career. It wasn't about serving other people. It was about finding purpose for myself. And, And the purpose, beyond trying to just understand myself, was to find that person, to find that connection, to find that feeling again of being safe in the world. And for me... Based on my astrology, this is not true for everybody universally across the boards, but for me, karmically, in this lifetime, especially it was about a relationship, having relationship. So when I got to this place of beginning to understand the dream uh, in my 40s, uh, I started to look back and think, "Oh, okay, so it's about feeling whole and feeling safe and feeling secure because you're in a relationship. You feel whole when you're with, you're joined with the other, the right person, the other person. Now, you know, from most of us, that's a soulmate, a spouse, a a marriage partner, a lover, those kinds of things. And it was for me. Uh, My first marriage wasn't my soulmate at relationship. Uh, Linda's my second marriage, and she didn't start out as my soulmate. She became my soulmate. Uh, I also think uh, in the life we spent together over these years, in hindsight, that we were soulmates in other lifetimes with each other, but we didn't pick up where we left off in this lifetime. We sort of like went back 10 yards and met up again in this lifetime and had to climb back up the hill a little further to get over the top again into that range of soulmate in this, which which also means that we had the choice to not do it, to blow it, or to bypass it. Uh, and uh, we, we managed uh, you know, to make the right choices and the right decisions with ourselves as we came together over time, in this lifetime, and get over that hill and reestablish that connection that we felt afterwards, that we're feeling now, that we know now is there all along, from the past, from other lifetimes, um, and it's only in that relationship, this relationship that I'm in, that I have felt whole and safe in this life. And of course, when July 4th came and Linda um, experienced the threat of leaving me this year of, uh, of our life together, uh, it, to say the least, scared the shit out of me <laughs> because I was going to feel not whole again. Uh, And I was going to feel uncertain about how to proceed, how to maintain, how to manage, how to survive. And um, so as I came to this New Year's, understanding that context, uh, what's really clear to me, because I'm currently working with um, two people – who are young um in their 20s um early 20s uh and uh, uh, over the course of my life i've worked a lot with ad- i worked four and a half years in adolescent psychiatry so in my 30s i worked with adolescents a lot uh from eight years old to 20 uh in inpatient outpatient kind of thing and um I'm currently working with two young people in their 20s uh, in, a, in an ongoing growth way. So they, we talk every week, uh, and it's long-term. We're going to work for as long as they – I'm supporting their life, helping them to get clearer about whatever brought them to me, and then beyond that, whatever emerges in the work we do with each other. Um, and so I have young people in my mind. I guess that's the point. And I was thinking to myself that um, what we really lack in, this, in our world currently is that more and more people, a lot of people, don't have a purpose. They don't know what their purpose is, they don't have a framework, they don't have a spiritual uh, foundation. Oh, those things kind of go together. And I don't mean a religious foundation necessarily, but a spiritual foundation. I was raised Catholic. I'm karmic now. I'm Catholic karmic. I'm post-Catholic karmic. You can put that together any way you want to. I just call myself Aquarian as a spiritual term these days in my life. Um, uh, because I think the the reincarnational framework, the, the belief that uh, we've We've lived before and we live over and over again, and we come here to live through lifetimes and grow and learn through our lifetimes each time we come around, which is a karmic belief, and that belief is around love. We come here to learn how to love ourselves and to love somebody else, to love other people, and it works both ways back and forth. Sometimes you learn to love yourself, and then you learn how to love other people, and sometimes you learn how to love other people, and then you love yourself, and sometimes it's loved and loving trading back and forth. But um, that's that's the game. I mean, I think that's the reason for existence. I think that's the purpose of the universe. Uh, if you believe in a a creative force, if you believe in Jesus, if you believe in God, for God the Father, you believe in some entity that is uh, human-like, I guess, I don't know, um, that is responsible for starting things, <laughs> As opposed to this being a random mutation process, which I don't think is worthwhile entertaining anymore. Um, however, you hold that, I mean, it could even be for me the awareness of the universe itself. That, that uh, I've had the weird thought in my lifetime that we're all a brain cell, one cell in the brain of a universe, that the universe is, is a mind, is a brain in someone, something, and we are part of that cellular activity that goes on in that uh, controlling entity <laughs> up there in the head kind of thing. I've, I've had that analogy for a while now, and I like it. It feels good when I try that on. Um, I think the important thing to help ourselves and to help our, our young people, especially, in this crazy, chaotic world that we're currently in, going through a lot of changes, um, is important that, that, that we all find a purpose, that we have a belief in uh, how reality works. Um, and I've said this for years uh, to, to clients along the way. Um, even, even if you believe in something for the for fifty years, for twenty years, and you and you get to a place in life where you find out it's not right, it was wrong, but your life was built on what you believed, and what you believed allowed you to experience your life in a positive way then it doesn't matter whether you were wrong or not, does it? Because as you're about to leave the planet, about to leave existence, about to leave the world, you will look back and appreciate what you went through, what you lived, what you did. Because it was worthwhile based on the way that it panned out, and it panned out based on the way that you believed in it. And there are not enough people with enough belief floating around these days, as far as I can tell. So, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to get off on a rant, but I felt it was important to say this to at this point for this upcoming year. So, look, look to yourself, look to your children, look to your family, look to the people you care about, and think about the purpose of your life. What What purpose does your life serve for you? What purpose does your life serve for the people you care the most about and for the people at large that you will deal with in your life? Um, And remember that a glass half filled with water, exactly half filled, is both empty and full depending on what you choose to see it as. You look at that glass and you say, well, is that half empty or half full? A person says it's half full is objectively right as much as if they said it's half empty, because objectively it's both or neither at the same time. It's kind of like uh, Schrodinger's cat in uh, quantum physics, if you don't know what that is, look it up. Um, Schrödinger's cat is—it it was a thought experiment that Albert Einstein did in the twenties uh, about the nature of reality. Um, it's like that. So it brings me back to energy and matter. Okay, the way that the world manifests, the way our bodies manifest, the way that our bodies in the physical world manifest, the way that the physical world manifests to our bodies, to our presence, is ultimately influenced and controlled by energy, and energy is the same thing as consciousness, and consciousness is another word for spirit or spirituality. Hmm. So what we think and feel is the wholeness of spirituality for me, not just what your thoughts are because you got to bring in your emotions. you got to bring in your heart. You've got two brains in your body, one in your head and one in your chest. That is not a pump in your chest moving your blood through your body. You think your blood through your body with your heart. It's based on feedback in the system, and feedback requires some kind of awareness, doesn't it? So when you wholly... Believe in some purpose with your thoughts and your emotions are aligned around some purpose in life. Life has meaning, and without that, no matter what you do and no matter what you get and what you have an experience, it will have no meaning in the end. So my rant today is um, think about what your purpose is and the purpose you're serving for the people you care about the most and the people at large that you could care about that you'll come in contact with and if you choose to do that then your life will be positive more often than it's negative it will have more gratification than it has distress And even the hard times that you go through, and there will be a fair amount of them, there is no life that is just fun and easy, Um, will be worthwhile and have meaning, and you will be able to sustain yourself through those periods, because it's really in those periods Where we grow the most, isn't it? Where we change the most. We transform. We become more than we were before. And in a magical way, in a way that can't be explained. It's not just adding straws to a pile, but has a qualitative, magical shift to it. Uh, You can't have a life of magic unless you have a life of belief and purpose. That's what I'm thinking at this point in my life. And that's the message that I wanted to put out for this new year, because... We really need it, I think, in this world right now. Uh, so thanks for listening. This is Michael Brady, Partners for Karmic Freedom, uh, karmicfreedom.com, karmicfreedom at gmail.com, 802 If there's anything that you would like to opine about with me, please feel free to reach out. If I can be of help or service to you in any way, please do that. It's my life purpose. And Happy New Year.